0: Follow Beautiful Hollywood on Instagram for your chance to win stuff. When Beautiful Hollywood is on the road, we like to use the Wondersafe app. It empowers you to navigate your surroundings better and safer with interactive and dynamic location-based maps, providing safety advice and alerts you can know before you go and also contribute your experiences to assist the future journeys of others. I always put where the good coffee is. Wondersafe has also created the world's first discreet non-violent safety solution. We have one to give away. It is a powerful, compact personal device that pairs seamlessly with the app. If you want one, head to the beautiful Hollywood Instagram for your chance to win. Get the Wondersafe app from the App Store. And if you don't win one from us, you can get your own personal safety device from Wondersafe.com <laughs>
1: Beautiful Hollywood.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. Hello, this is Beautiful Hollywood, the show that explores what happens when those of the dream get doing. We look deep past the surface story of celebrity and success and break down what really goes into making dreams come true. Because it's not always easy, but it is possible. Hi there, my name is Melanie Camp. Today's story comes out of Vancouver, BC. I am in Canada. You know, some people refer to this part of the world as Hollywood North because of all the film and TV production that goes on up here. And we are chatting to a man today who is in the business. He is an animal coordinator. He's been doing it since 1994. So for a while, actually, a few of the cats that he wrangles are on the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Ian Doig. Yes, it's almost Ian Dog, isn't
1: it? It is dog with one eye.
0: (laughs) People, oh, dog with—that's where one-eyed dog. Okay, I was thinking you were going to turn up with an eye patch because Ian's emails like got one-eyed dog dog or something. Yeah, Yeah. dog one eye. I was like, I (laughs)
1: was—I don't have a one-eyed dog. I have to explain that to everybody.
0: It's the one eye in the Doig, Ian Doig, and not Ian Dog. Right. Oh, that's so co- – it's like what a coincidence. Your name, even though – so the interesting part about Ian's story is Ian kind of stumbled into this industry and didn't really have any idea of what he was going to do with his life. Yeah. And um, it seems like fate kind of had a way of calling you and even your name was like kind of hinting. No
1: question about it.
0: There was some animal thing in your future.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Ian, thanks so much for chatting today. Uh you, it's I'm so excited to share this story. I think I wanted to <laughs> like a little I'm trying to think how do I quickly sum it up? But yeah. basically you started in the animal business, the animal TV business when you were 29 years old. Yeah. And before that you were kind of just partying and rolling around and selling cars and
1: being crazy in Winnipeg.
0: Being crazy. (laughs) Everyone's going to read into that, what you you may. But really, at 29, tell tell us, where were you at in your life?
1: I wasn't in a good place at all. I found myself with uh, really no direction and uh, no ability to even hold down a job, let alone find a career. So uh, I had a friend here in Vancouver working uh, for an animal trainer uh, in the film industry. And uh, she's a dear friend and asked me to move out to um, see what I could do out here. And once I arrived, she got me on as a weekend feeder cleaner, which doesn't really pay, and working for her mother, doing uh, cleaning houses during the week. And that went for about three months. And then a live-in position happened at the farm, came available, and I took it. And before it even started, it became permanent. So I was living on the farm and... Uh, doing feeding, cleaning full-time, seven days a week.
0: Wow. So you were just feeding the animals, cleaning up after the animals. And this was a farm that was one of, at the time, one of the really big, uh, really involved in the industry, weren't they? They were training a lot of animals for TV shows and movies.
1: Yeah, the fellow that ran it uh, and owned it uh, came from L.A., uh, with his expertise and uh, got animals up here. And by the time I met him, he, would already, he had already uh, been the trainer for the panda on the Amazing Panda Adventure. And quickly followed by that was a polar bear cub for a movie called uh, Alaska.
0: Oh, yeah. So he
1: got the polar bear cub for that, and then the cub stayed with her and she grew. And, uh, and uh, he had a grizzly bear. And a few other animals, but that was his main focus was training animals for the film industry based out of Vancouver. So working for him was a big step in the right direction.
0: So at what point, I mean, you were cleaning the cages of these animals, you were Mm -hmm. feeding them. At what point did you think, oh, hang on, this might be a cool career for me to.
1: Well, right away. I mean, I I knew it was going to be a stepping stone that I had to take advantage of and stay focused on. ...block everything else out in your life and just stay focused on this one thing... ...that is going to get your life in order, yeah. you know? Like he's providing me with a place to live and a vehicle and a job... ...and just stay focused on that.
0: Wow, so how did you make that transition from having no car and no job... ...to getting over here and then going, Well, this is an opportunity? How were you able to identify that opportunity?
1: Well, once I drove out here and uh, my friend showed me the farm and we started to explore me working there even part-time, I knew it was an opportunity. Yeah. And I knew I had to work hard at it to keep it. So it became that. Once I was there full-time, then it just became my, my entire world. There was nothing else going on, no friends or hobbies or anything else going on, just work.
0: Oh, wow. So you really threw yourself into it.
1: Threw myself into it and... You know, for somebody in any industry, if you decide that you want to do the do the work, the opportunities will come your way. Um, if you decide to go to school, that's all well and good, but school's not for everybody.
0: Right? Yeah, and, and you didn't you go, didn't go to
1: school. I didn't go to school, and you know, if, if school is for you, then you know, by all means, do it. It's great to have on a resume, and it's a great stepping stone. But if school's not for you, then do the work. You decide what it is you want to do, and then go and don't worry about pay, right? Just worry about doing the work, and just block out how much you're getting paid. The pay will follow, and be confident of that. So in my case, I seem to take to it, and it is a business, so with my knowledge, I'm not gonna say expertise, but knowledge of selling cars, that, ...came into play when you're dealing with producers because they're customers in a way... ...and uh, you have to deal with them correctly.
0: You know it is funny, it's like nothing is wasted. You can feel like you're not on track and your life isn't really going anywhere... ...and find yourself at a zero point... And then when you look back, like you're saying, you're like, well, it wasn't. I wasn't wasting my time selling cars because I learned skills that I can um, now oh, yeah, be no able question. to parlay into, you know, this business that you've established. No
1: question, yeah.
0: So, you, did you always love animals?
1: I, I did. There's no question about it. But I thought everyone did, and and lived my life thinking that that everybody loved animals. So uh, at a young age, um, I won't go too deep into it my dad passed away and my mom at 38 years old had five kids left you know for her to raise wow which is a lot for a 38 year old you know in this day and age for sure but uh she introduced me to an all-boys school outside of Edmonton and thought that I might like it so when I arrived at the school they had 45 dogs there that they used for sledding and as soon as I saw that I said I'm in And it wasn't very expensive, but it wasn't very high-tech either, the school. Mm -hmm. And uh, extremely strict, right? And all boys. Yeah. And it was really the best thing that I ever did outside of the dogs. But the dogs were the draw for me. Then when I left the school and got to be, you know, in my mid-20s, I mean, I always wanted to have a dog with me at all times. But again, assuming everyone does. Right. And uh, I opened up the newspaper in Winnipeg. And uh, there was a little one-woman rescue um, giving dogs away, you know, with, for a small fee. So I phoned her because I wanted one of the dogs. And, um, and she said, well, you sound like you'd be a great foster home because I'm living in what used to be my grandmother's house who had a lot of dogs. And we had, you know, a kennel in the basement. And upstairs was dog-friendly and the backyard was dog-friendly. And uh, so I said, yeah, I'll be a foster. So she just started filling my house with dogs. <laughs> oh, right? my goodness, yeah. Like I would pretty much have four or five dogs at all times and then spend my weekends waiting to interview prospective owners, which at the time I didn't put any thought to. I mean, people are coming this weekend to see dogs and we're going to move dogs and get more. <laughs> right?
0: Wow. So animals are always in your life. They were. You were always in but an again, animal kind of business. until
1: I was like 35, I, I thought everybody would be like me. I'm like, come on. You know, you get to have dogs around. Oh, my goodness. it's not that way at all. Yeah. Because when I was at the big farm, uh, you know, we had a lot of really interesting animals there and a lot of people wanting to come out and work until they got there and found out that it's actual work. It's not that exciting. And then they leave.
0: Oh, like people get excited and they think, yeah, I'm going to work with animals. That's going to be fun.
1: Yeah. So what is it like
0: working with animals? They say never work with animals and or children. I mean,
1: yeah, they you, say that, but I don't know what the basis of that is. Yeah, because the reality is, is that it adds a tremendous element to your project if it's a TV commercial or a feature film or anything in between, um, and everyone knows it. Yeah, that's why we keep doing it. Yeah, and like I think that virtually every trainer that does this professionally has roughly a ninety percent success rate. I've never met a trainer that has a lackluster attitude that is going to arrive and just kind of hope for the best.
0: Right. So what goes into having an animal turn up on set and be ready to perform?
1: It really depends on the shot. And, and it's, not, it's not training as much as you think it is because it is a performance. And you can read the script and it, sometimes you sort of think, you know, I'm going to roll the dice on this and really take advantage of the animal's natural behaviour. Right? that this is going to happen naturally on set. And we're not pulling one over on anybody. The production's aware before I arrive that this is going to be my plan as long as I have a plan B. But there is a manner that we use to draw the animal's natural behavior out of it. You're arriving with a trained animal, the trainer is there, but at some point we manage to just pull back a little bit and allow the animal to just perform.
0: And does that make the difference between having a, you know, sometimes you see an animal and it's, it looks like it's responding to a trick yeah. and it's being asked to perform a trick and then yeah. sometimes it's just a very natural animal. So is yeah. that the, that's how you get a natural performance out of an animal?
1: And allowing your ego to allow it to happen, right? By not thinking you have to be there and the animal's looking at you at all times and you have to look like the trainer. Your ego has to allow you to just let all that go. ...and let the dog just do it.
0: Okay, this sounds like a metaphor to life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just let go. I would not have thought that training animals could be so deep. So I see you're really just letting the animal be. So that means you might get the actor to perform with the animal... ...and just get back and just... Definitely.
1: And if the actor has good timing and has a, a natural ability... ...to work with an animal, then by all means... You know, we just did a shot on a show where we needed the pig to stand on a mark and look straight at the guy. And there's nowhere for the trainer to be based on camera angle. So if the actor, and he did, want to participate and have a little bit of food in his hand and ready to to pay the pig between lines, then great, let's try it. But it's reliant on the actor's timing, which was impeccable. And it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen.
0: Oh my gosh, when do we yeah. get to see that?
1: <laughs> uh, just aired on yeah. a show called DC Legends.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. DC Legends. Oh, cool. There are so many shows filming up here yeah. in Vancouver. And one of um, one of the exciting shows that you're doing work on at the moment is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, And you are doing The Cat, of course. Yeah. That is an interesting one because the lead actress, she's actually... Allergic, like almost deathly allergic to cats, isn't she?
1: And we didn't find that out until after we started filming.
0: And she didn't even realise, did she? No. Kin and Shipka. So she didn't even know that she was... She
1: didn't realise how severe it was. She thought it would be handleable and we discussed it with her and and I truly believe she thought it was handleable.
0: What happens when actors have got issues with animals? Maybe they don't like animals or out of their control are allergic.
1: Yeah, that. if you want to talk in a general term of general sense of that, uh, the way I describe animals in film is that you, you've you trained the animal, you're ready for camera, but you're going to put it in an environment that guarantees failure, and failure's not an option. Right. That's the fine line we're drawing all the time. Because anything can go wrong. The actor doesn't want to work with the animal or thinks he can work with the animal and can't, right?
0: Does there, I mean, are animals like people? Are there, do there need to be chemistry between the Actor in the album?
1: I, I would think sometimes, sure. But mm. it's really about timing and body language as much as the two of them getting along. Right. You know, there is a series that I won't name where the actor thinks he, he's wonderful with the dog and he's not. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So how do you get around that kind we of thing? We let him.
1: We just let him do whatever it is he wants to do because... There's a bigger picture, right? If the animal's performance is suffering because of him, then that's how it is. We're not going to win the war against him, so just let it be.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. That, so uh, that brings me to the question. If you can train an animal, does it make you – can you apply those same things to humans?
1: You can, but we train with food. Oh. So I think... Hey, that, what, I think that would work. That would work well, for me. It would, me. but you might uh, develop an eating disorder, you know, where food is gratification for good behaviour. You might... I, right, don't, I really. don't know how it would, you know, translate in the human brain and probably not in a good way. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't okay. think that you should be training your kids with food.
0: Okay. Right. So is it very... I mean, is it very practical training an animal? Is it? Is there a lot of sort of... I don't know like psychology behind it or is it just very much
1: some psychology for sure yeah but body language it's incredible how a little change in your body language can change in the way you communicate with a dog yesterday for example we were trying to get two little piglets into a small barn and they'd never been in there before and had the door shut and they were clearly afraid to go in with the door being shut So I had a fresh, brand-new trainer working the door. I said, put down the food and then work your way outside the door. And as soon as she motioned to close the door with her leaving, they ran out, right? Right. So I said, I I knew that was going to happen. You needed to make that mistake. But what you need to do is close the door first. Allow them to settle for a minute. And then you work your way out the door. So you close the door with her and she couldn't understand why she wanted me to, she, she, I wanted her to close the door with her still inside.
0: Oh, right? right. Yeah.
1: So it was a little bit of body language. And then the other one was we needed to train a dog to walk slow, right? Which is not an easy behavior to train. A lot of people train A to B on their dog and it's running and the faster, the better. But get your dog to walk slow. Like agility. You know, you train a dog to do agility, and they're trained to do it as quickly as possible. It's a timed event, you know, split second.
0: Of course, but yeah. But train the dog
1: now to do it at a walking pace, ten times harder.
0: Oh my goodness! So yeah, could how you do imagine? you? Yeah, how do you make could a dog? You imagine also?
1: training a dog to just slowly walk that whole course. It would be brilliant if you could do it.
0: Yeah. But
1: they train at high speed, right? So I was a trainer was training a border collie to just walk slow. I mean, want it to look like it's just walking down the street. So you can't call her because she'll come running, right? You have to train her to walk slow. So she had trained her to walk slow, but she couldn't get distance away from the dog to do it. So the problem was that she felt that she could get the dog to walk slow for a short distance, and then she could increase the distance, where, in fact, she needed to be far away from the dog to give her t- herself time to correct the behavior. As the dog is walking, as soon as it speeds up, you can verbally correct, uh-uh, you know, to walk slow. But you need to be far away for that to happen. You're not going to be able to pull that off close. Then once she corrected the behavior, the dog would just stop, right? So that, that told her, now crouch down. And that's sort of the universal body language to for a dog or any animal to come to you. Mm-hmm. So she would crouch, and then the dog would come too fast. And I'm like, okay, now crouch half. And then she could literally, like the dog was, had an accelerator, she could gauge the speed of the dog by how much she crouched.
0: Oh, my goodness. All in an hour. Wow. Yeah. So dogs, I mean, does a dog need to be extremely intelligent to be able to pick that sort of stuff up in an hour?
1: Eh, I used to have varying opinions on the matter, that all dogs had a certain, you know, common intelligence level, but I don't think that's the case now, especially dealing with some more obscure breeds like Afghans and things like that. They're, you know, they're not bred for their, you know, intelligence and so on. Yeah. But certain dogs are incredibly, certain dog breeds in general are incredibly intelligent. And then there are examples within the breed that are really intelligent. One trick that we do with the dogs that is modern and I shouldn't even be saying this in public (laughs) Because right? I okay. want everyone to know. Oh, okay. But we train them to find uh, a beeping radio, and we control the beeps. So we have a transmitter and a receiver, and the receiver beeps, and we train the dog to find the receiver. Some dogs we've worked on them three, four days. They just won't get it. And then other dogs, 45 minutes. We can hide that beeper anywhere in their house, and they would find it.
0: Really? And and so does that mean
1: you're like, okay, this is the dog we want to be working with? No, that means that dog got really well beaver trained quickly. <laughs> oh, okay. So, you know, it's one mark on, you oh, know.
0: Oh, and is that how you, is that, I mean, f- with Sabrina, there are five cats. Yeah. And is that because some animals are better at things than others? So definitely. instead of getting one dog to do everything, you find a lot of dogs to do all the things that yeah. need to be done.
1: Yeah, and with Sabrina, that was definitely the case.
0: So what? who are, who are the cats in Sabrina.
1: Uh, we've got five. Two of them are privately owned, and I own three because the production, you know, the production wanted us to provide four cats. Right. And I ended up with five. So uh, we have our hero, um, and he carries the majority of the load. When we got him, he was a completely untrained cat. Found him on Facebook. I, I put out a call on Facebook looking for black cats. And it turned out that it was somebody we knew uh, because we'd rented their St. Bernard. And uh, she, uh, we tried out her cat, and you know, it takes time with cats, uh, especially if they're accustomed to a certain routine where dogs, you know, you can break their routine easier. Um, And cats tend to get overfed, so they're not accustomed to a new feeding regime, you know. So, and cats definitely think with their little tummies. Dogs do too, but definitely. Oh, cats, cats more so. Oh, more so, yeah. Oh. But they're also selfish in their general demeanor. Yeah. So you got to let them think it's their idea. But you know, when they get hungry, they're that. You know, they're the frog from the Bugs Bunny show. Hello, my baby. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> you know? What do you want <laughs> yeah, me to do? Yeah, I'll exactly. do anything yeah, for all food. Over it. <laughs> um, so yeah, he carries the load. But um, some of the stuff was outside, and some of it was out at, at night and running A to B. And we bought this little. Pistol from Calgary that uh, he just runs like late to B at night and he's just terrific. Or at the end of the day, he doesn't care. And he's Mr. Personality. Like the, the cats all have a level of fandom, but Trevor, the little tiny one, <laughs> Is everyone's favorite. Oh, Everybody's really? met Trevor because Trevor won't allow you to not meet. He's like, hi, <laughs> yeah. hello, what are we... I'm Trevor. Oh wow, so he's yeah. the
0: real movie star out of the the bunch.
1: No, he just does his A to B because he's a little bit smaller than the other cats, right? Oh. So he can only be used in certain situations, yeah, right? because the other ones are they're big, robust males, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, then the other cats we just. It really just depends on the shot, but the role of the cat did get reduced because of the allergy. Oh. so uh, she can't even pick up the cat.:
0: That is crazy and can't even uh, she can't even be around people who have touched the cat. No. Oh no. my goodness.
1: Which is terrible for the crew because we have a cat room and that everyone loves spending time, but we had to shut it down because anybody who touches the cat and then comes in contact with her, uh, she has an outbreak. so that's crazy. We had to stop all crew from having contact with the cats, which had nothing to do with the cats themselves.
0: Right, and is that and that's something that you do? You feel that you like people on your set to hang out with the animals, and
1: very much. And it makes the animals feel comfortable, and it's great for the crew. They get to have you know their fur time and. Uh, they enjoy it and the cats enjoy it or dogs or whoever. So that's nothing we would ever want to keep from anyone. Now, I, I do need to be clear on something. Yes. Very okay. clear.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not the trainer of the Sabrina cats.
0: <laughs> okay. My
1: training partner of 18 years, Grace McLeod, is the one who trained the cats from scratch.
0: Right. I
1: set up the job. I was the one who originally called for the job. And there's a r- big variety of other animals in the script. And I took care of all that but she's the one who trained the cats from nothing
0: really? literally pet cats
1: and before the first episode they were film print, film you know camera ready right all they needed in the first episode was camera time which we can't recreate in any other way
0: ah. so the
1: first two episodes were shot uh, simultaneously and it was bumpy with the cats I'm not going to lie right but yep. not um, to the point of making any drastic measures we nothing had to be reshot Mm -hmm. except for one uh, scene I believe they did shoot green screen but they also had a CGI cat and standing by Mm -hmm. a computer generated cat and they've only had to use it once
0: oh wow so how much pressure is there to turn up and have the animals oh my gosh it's
1: immeasurable yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm nervous all the time and I never never want that to go away Right? I never uh-huh. want to go to work and not be nervous about the day. Yeah. I never want to go in cocky about the day. And the way I train trainers, I'm like, the easier shot it is, the tougher it is going to be on the day. Because the production will expect it to be easy. And we have to work really, really hard to make it stay that way. If the animal is going to do a trick, or it's going to be something intricate with the animal, we're going to be involved in all areas of the setup and then make it a success that way. But if the animal's not doing anything, mm, that could get complicated.
0: Wow. And then I guess if you are if you start getting really stressed because an animal's not doing what it needs to do and people around are starting to get stressed, the animals pick up on that,
1: right? They, they could, yeah, but I can't show my stress to the trainers because I'm there to keep the trainers calm and I'm there to keep the production calm. Ooh, right. goodness me. So I can't show that I'm stressed. When I show up in the morning, they're like, how are you? I'm like, very good. Thanks very much. <laughs> when great. I'm actually dying inside a little bit <laughs> at a time, you know, and I just want to get through the day. So there was many, many years I couldn't eat until we had the first shot in the can. You know, wow. like I'd show up, no breakfast, no crafty, nothing. Just let's just get the first shot done and then I'll relax. <laughs> My goodness. And then we get the first shot and I go and grab a bite to eat. And
0: you then know? you rest easy. Well sort of (laughs) goodness me wow and you've been doing it 20 years
1: 26 years 24 years yeah my goodness 94 so yeah 24 years
0: Wow. i mean would you consider yourself a successful having a successful business here i mean you seem to be reluctant to (laughs) 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 to be too relaxed about anything well i'm not
1: going to Um, relay any conversations that we say in private, because we like to keep our, you know, our egos in check. You know, in private, we keep our egos in check. But both Grace and I have worked very, very hard for at least the last 15 years to build a reputation in Vancouver. And we can proudly say that, you know, we're doing nearly half the shows in Vancouver, and we're only one training company when there are many more. So it's a badge of honour that we wear proudly. Grace downplays it completely, and I'll tell you a funny story about that in a minute. But um, we do half the shows in Vancouver. Um, I, I, I think it's deserving, but being successful is a lot tougher than, than being not successful. We had a lot more free time <laughs> when, when we were still starting out and didn't have as many clients as we do now. And now the struggle really is. I thought the struggle was being broke, but now the struggle is keeping it going,
0: right? That's. And it's a struggle. Right. Goodness Uh, me. That's so you, but you would prefer to be doing, you would prefer to be struggling to keep it going than being broke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I'm not going to lie about that. (laughs) But But I see it's like pretty, you have a lot more spare time on your hands when you're broke. Yeah.
1: So, but the, the funny story I want to tell about Grace is that. Grace is a very humble person. She doesn't allow any bragging or any gloating or uh, of any kind, either from herself or from me or our trainers or anybody. She knows you can go from hero to chump in a minute. So she doesn't allow it in her life at all. And one day recently, she uh, had a burst of it by text, and she's texting me, and she's like, I'm very proud about what we've been able to do with these cats for Sabrina. It's probably one of the bigger cat jobs that has ever hit show business, period. I mean, it's a year-long job, and, uh, you know, it's far bigger than a feature film. It's a big deal. And um, she's like, I'm just really proud that we were able to take these cats, pet cats, and turn them into, you know, excellent on-set cats. And then she's like, uh-oh, I, I, I forgot the cat at home. <laughs> she's on her way to the while <laughs> she's texting me. <laughs> And I'm like, don't worry about it, I'll bring in a cat. Now, it's a small exaggeration because of what uh, she needed an extra cat for a scene. Oh, and okay. And that was a cat she forgot. She had her five cats with her, but she forgot this extra cat for the scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> she right? Did. Her first opportunity at actually tooting her own horn and she's oh damn <laughs> oh damn forgot the cat
0: it isn't it's always the way like that when yeah. you start feeling like yeah I'm, you know what i've done some yeah. good stuff i'm feeling good and then you know i don't know if we draw that to ourselves because we're afraid to actually just settle for a moment and go yeah i did good i can appreciate that or we f- you know it's that whole that saying pride becomes before a fall well, which i was thinking about that recently and i thought what a terrible thing to manifest like we should yeah. be able to sit and be proud of the successes that we've had in but our may- lives
1: maybe it happened because she never does it or maybe it happens to other people because they keep it in check all the time that they don't want to say self-flattering things even in private to themselves yeah where I'm of the opinion that even if it's on a weekly basis you're entitled to celebrate if you've got something to celebrate celebrate it if Mm. you've made headway in your career and you've worked hard for it celebrate that fact even privately just you and your spouse you go out for dinner and just say we had another great week. Yeah. We made progress forward. And I use sports as the analogy. When they score a goal, they hug, they go down the bench, high-five everybody. I mean, soccer players lose their mind <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> when they score a goal. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and that's when the game's not even finished. No. I love that analogy. I do love a good sports analogy. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> we use them all the time, that and car analogies. But <laughs> you should be able to celebrate your success without thinking karma's going to bite you in the ass, mm. you know, because you said something nice about yourself, right? Because you're not saying you're wonderful. You're just saying we had a good week. We had a really good week. We had a successful week. We have something to celebrate. We had a new client call this week, you know, or something, anything, right? I'm not yeah. saying every week you have something to celebrate, but Grace and I do. <laughs> <laughs> Friday, I'm like, guess what? We have something to celebrate, and here it is. Yeah. right, And it's yeah. legit. And she's like, yeah, whatever. Just
0: eat. And I think it's part of being grateful, isn't it? Uh, yes. celebrating is being grateful. Yes. Because uh, if you don't take that time, your phone keeps doing little bingles. <laughs> it's actually quite a cute little noise. But <laughs> <Excuse> <laughs> if me. you're listening and you're going, uh, wait, is my phone ringing? No, it's not. This is It's Ian's phone that's making little alerts. You must be busy. But I think it is. I think being able to say... ...you know, being grateful is a way of sort of saying thank you... ...for the good things that are coming your way. And I think that if you aren't grateful then... It's almost as if if you speak in terms of the universe. The universe is saying, oh, okay, you don't want that. All right, fine. Oh, I yeah. won't give you those, you know,
1: yeah, totally. like str- totally. hits of combine, good luck. You put it in great words. P- combine your celeb- celebration with gratefulness. Yeah. And then everything will come your way. And everything will be kept in a good perspective. If you go into it saying people realize I'm that good now and I deserve it, mm-hmm. you got trouble.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I suppose there's a difference between that ego yeah. And grateful, you know, being grateful, no and then having a sort of ugly where it's, yeah, where and
1: there will be no more humbling experience than animals in film, because you will go from hero to chump in a minute.
0: Yeah, so it keeps you pretty grounded.
1: Has to, <laughs> otherwise, you end up. Yeah, I mean, your career is short lived. You'll have a burst of popularity, and then it'll fizzle.
0: Right. So the secret of longevity is. Yeah. You know, keeping that ego in check
1: and just stay humble and realize not every day is going to be a great day.
0: Which is like life, you yeah. know? Yeah. Be in it for the long the long game, not the short game.
1: No question about it.
0: So in the business, in the business of animals in television and film, I was under the impression that someone would train a dog or someone would train cats or horses but I was told by a friend of mine who has a show that the person who brings their cat on set also deals with the rats and also cockroaches which of course there's all sorts of insects and animals that are on TV shows. What's the craziest critter you've ever worked with?
1: Mm. There's so many. I mean maggots are a really common thing to... (laughs)
0: <laughs> that word just went really slowly yeah. into my head, and I feel like I had a very delayed reaction to that. Uh,
1: <laughs> they are smelly. Oh my no gosh, doubt. maggots! And it's mostly their environment that smells, uh, but they they are smelly and they and they bite a little.
0: Maggots, but, Oh, of yeah. course, because they've got to be able to eat meat and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's just even I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So when you're handling, so you've been bitten by a maggot.
1: Yeah, yeah it's a it's a tiny little thing; you barely feel it. Um, <laughs> We do a lot of insects, there's no doubt about it. Ants, we had ants as a regular character on a show. Um, what
0: show was that? Zoo. Zoo, oh.
1: Yeah. Mammal-wise, I would say the pol- living with the polar bear for 10 years was quite an experience. And you must keep in mind that she's a full contact bear, which means you can go into her pen and play with her.
0: There's an amazing photo of you on your Facebook. Yeah. That's her? That's her. You're, so full, you're in a full-on bear hug with the polar bear. Yeah,
1: yeah she's leaning on me. I'm, I'm lying down. And um, when there's snow on the ground, that's when she's extra playful. So at the old farm, you know, when we got a lot of snow, there was a lot of work to do because we had to clear the snow before you could get any of the work done. And uh, that would all come to a halt. And it, we'd put all that off because the polar bear is playful. So we're going to go play with the polar bear first, and then we'll get to work.
0: Oh, my gosh. So could anyone working on the farm hug her or only, only the
1: handlers? Just me and, and Mark. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Is she
0: still around? Yeah. How long do polar bears live?
1: Uh, she is getting up there now. Yeah, she'd be 24 years old. And they usually live to be 30, but maybe a little under, somewhere around there. What's so. your
0: favorite animal to work with?
1: Uh, as an individual?
0: Mm, or as a uh, breed? Well, dogs
1: are fun. Yep. I mean, they're always fun, and they're your bread and butter. Uh, cats are c- really impressive when when things are going well, which it normally is. Like, you don't show up unprepared with a cat. Um, so you show up with a cat and really just hope for the best, you know, that ah. uh, something's not going to cause it to, you know, have a breakdown. So cat, cats are <laughs> sensitive? Cats have a little sensitivity <laughs> that way. Um, I, 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 I like chickens a lot. I don't know why. Yeah, but you take them on a film set and people lose their minds over chickens. They're, they're. Well, I guess a lot of people have never seen one, you know, no. other than on TV. Really? Yeah. I
0: grew up with chickens. I grew up.
1: But I'm, oh, I'm thinking that some of them maybe? are city people and have never seen a chicken.
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah, we had we always had chickens throughout the house. I mean, they're very sociable and very. they t- and they talk. You can yeah. you can chat with them. Yeah. I mean, they'll just go, yeah. but yeah, you they can don't say words, have some kind of conversation. I mean, I felt yeah.
1: like I was having conversations. With yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh my goodness! What about wild animals like deer? Like deer,
1: one of my favorites for sure. I, yeah. I started my career with black-tailed deer, so you know that really cut my teeth on. You know, getting a wild animal on a film set and uh, deer versus car was my specialty. So having cars drive right past their nose at 80 kilometers an hour.
0: Oh, and wow. You can train a deer, deer this, to just stand still for that? You them?
1: desensitize them to it by standing. Uh, I just stood on the road for hours, day after day after day, and just let cars go by.
0: Oh. Yeah. oh and
1: they just get desensitized. Even on a bottle, I would just bottle feed them, Literally, like wait to feed the bottle until a car comes by and then you know because mom wouldn't feed them in an unsafe environment right so they learn this is a safe environment oh that's to the point where i would show up on set and the car is supposed to be going full speed usually it forces the car off the road Mm -hmm. that's in the storyline and the stunt guys would slow down to like 30 or 40 kilometers an hour thinking they don't want to scare the deer but that scares the deer because oh. it's so slow.
0: And they used to a really fast. Yeah. So you're like, go faster, go
1: faster. And then you're like, no, you spooked the deer now. And they're like, well, I, I didn't want to spook the deer. That's why I went slow. I'm like, no, driving slow is spooking the deer because nobody ever drives slow. Right. If you, if
0: you were going to go slow, you should have told me I could have trained it. Yeah. So how much of training is just persistence and repetition?
1: Mm, I'd say like 20% of it okay. turns into this. Robotic routine of overtraining just to desensitize it, mm-hmm. especially if it's a wild animal that um, you something they need in their lives all the time, like walking on a leash and loading into a trailer. Right, this is something you would just do repetitively, just to have them accustomed to it and, and never be a problem. And and you do it gratuitously. You're just, it's just part of your training day to just load them up and go somewhere, right? Just so they're accustomed to that. Yep. Yeah. Oh
0: wow.
1: Yeah, because there's other logistics to animal training... ...that people don't think about. You know, we're going to train a pig to do a variety of behaviours... ...but if that pig is not accustomed to travel... ...or getting in and out of the van... ...then that's going to cause a problem on the day.
0: Of course, and it arrives stressed and and all that. So like for the movie A Dog's Purpose... ...there was a video that was leaked... ...and people were saying the trainer was, you know... ...it was was, the dog looked scared and it was cruel. How does that work for a trainer to get something like that happening and it's a dog that they work with and i imagine you have to have a certain love and connection with an animal to be able to perform with it and yeah. have it perform
1: yeah you definitely develop a relationship with them for sure how does it feel as a trainer
0: to hear like
1: oh you're being cruel to an animal
0: when you're a, a dog lover or an animal lover
1: well yeah there are a sensitive bunch trainers to begin with a highly sensitive bunch and they don't Um, take well to criticism in general, so they would see that as a criticism, and they don't often react well. They want to defend themselves rather than just saying, you don't know what you're talking about, and walking away confidently. Uh, And in that case, that would have been accurate, that whoever was criticizing that video Mm. just simply didn't know the whole story on how it was edited and so on and so forth. And the fact that we do have the American Humane Association on set and they would have filled out a report on the day that would have been accurate. It's really their only purpose is to protect the production and the trainers by reporting things accurately. Mm. Right? Yes. Their role as protecting the animal to make sure it's well cared for and stress free and, you know, has food and water and all that, that that's all a given now and has been for many, many years. And so their role is to just report things Good or bad, just reported accurately.
0: So it is something that you... It is a relationship that you appreciate as a someone in the animal business. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, very much. Yeah. yeah. We, we enjoy the comfort of having them around. And there's two organizations, another one called Movie Animals Protected, and they both have the same role. And we... I mean, when they arrive, they're on our team. Right? Yeah. And they're there, you know, to work with us. You know, I did a shot uh, the other day where they wanted to kick a chicken, or so it said in the script, but... With the production and me, it's not even anything we discuss on how we're going to kick the chicken because we're not going to kick the chicken and we don't even need to talk about it, and we don't. But we have them there to monitor that situation so when you see the movie later, the guy makes a kicking motion, the chicken flies through the air that we released you know, ourselves. It looks like he kicked the chicken. It's implied. And then they're there to, to report how we accurately did it.
0: Right, so then at the end when the credits roll, it says yeah. that you know no animals were harmed, yeah. and so forth. And
1: in the age of the internet, you can go online to find out. You know, if you saw something in a TV show you didn't like, you can go online and check it out with the American Humane or maps. You can find out all that information online. And I mean, if anyone who loves animals spent time on a film set, you would see that the productions themselves are overly concerned all the time. I'm forever coddling them saying it's fine. It's
0: yeah. Fine. <laughs> well, I feel most people in film and TV are usually probably a large proportion, disproportionately vegan or vegetarian yes. and, and big animal lovers. Big I think lovers. being yeah. a, perform, a creative person, you usually have a lot of empathy and that extends to, you know, you know all well, living so creatures. Be, so
1: I've been asked many times, do you drug the animals? And it's like, well, how would I do that? Right. Like how, wh- what drugs would I give it? Oh, yeah, Where would do- I get the drugs? How would I get it to be undrugged? Like, oh <laughs> you know? yeah. Like there's a whole logistical problem. Many. That's <laughs> a point.
0: Cause a kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's go to woe. If you, if you give an animal something that's going to calm them down, it usually sort of wipes them out a bit and they're not yeah, able to. And perform. you need a
1: reverser. Right. Yeah. Like I would need a vet there and they, they don't work cheap. Like it's just not possible. Uh, right. Yeah, and it's not logistically possible, nor is it ethically possible.
0: Well, and probably, and not—I don't imagine—necessary because you would find animals that are.
1: Well, yeah, you got a drugged you, animal on set now.
0: Well, yeah, why would you? Mm. Wouldn't even work with that animal. You'd have to pick no. in. And what are good? What, what makes a good, you know, set pet? A good animal. Brave uh, and
1: friendly. Those are the only two criteria for us. Yeah. If you have an animal that's brave and friendly, we can take care of the rest.
0: Does that mean they're more likely to learn quickly, or?
1: Mm, not necessarily because some animals are more comfortable at home you take them away from home and they're suddenly not so brave Mm -hmm. or friendly yeah right so brave and friendly in all environments right Uh, but bravery especially with chickens like chickens are often thought to be stupid and i'm not so sure about that i think that they're incredibly brave and i think that that bravery is confused with stupidity right
0: Oh, because they're willing to just like, yeah, we'll go on in here yeah. and check this out. And they're like,
1: I don't give an F, right? <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm a chicken and I'm just going to be, and it's confused with stupidity. It's like, why are you doing that? He's like, because I can. You know? Oh, not I love because that. I don't know any better, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Sometimes we confuse stupidity with bravery. <laughs> Let's all go out and be stupid. Yeah. So you don't keep all the animals.
1: No, none at that all. That you take.
0: None at all. at all. You have a few at home.
1: A few pets, more than anything. I've got a couple of chickens that are chickens, my favorite because you love chickens. And uh, two dogs at work, but one's new. Yeah. And the um, rabbit, because it's easy to get a rabbit and it's not so easy to get rid of a rabbit. So we have a rabbit.
0: Oh, and that one, and a working yeah. rabbit.
1: Well. He could be if you want. Him to be, <laughs> if someone you know, wants him. He's just there.
0: But otherwise you if someone wants a particular animal, you will reach out to your network or put a post up on Facebook and yeah. request.
1: Yeah, that's how we do it. We because of the internet um, it's so much easier now to find animals. And Facebook is a big one for me where I can put out uh, I can put out a call for a breed of dog or an animal that I need and literally within an hour I have some to choose from and I may not choose from that group, because I'm also researching other sources, but I could pick an animal within an hour and start firing off you know, pictures to production.
0: So you pretty much become the animal casting director as well as the, I yeah, mean, I guess that's, that's what an animal coordinator Yeah, mm-hmm. that's
1: what an animal coordinator is, except you also, you know, you're overseeing minimally the training. Yeah. Now, when I started, there's no internet. So if somebody called for a standard poodle or any particular breed, you had to get on the phone. And you just start phoning your friends. Do you know one? Do you know one? Do you know
0: one? Oh, thank goodness for social media then. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: then you find one. So you have the fellow's phone number. And now you phone him, not email. And say, chat, chat, chat. A lot of, (laughs) you know, a lot of small talk. A lot of time. Then you have to drive to that person's house and take pictures of their dog. And then drive to the one-hour photo, get the pictures developed, and now drive to Vancouver to drop them off. This is an all-day deal.
0: Oh, my goodness, yeah. Where
1: now, it's all done on my phone. And I still remember rushing home to check my email. Yeah, yeah. because right? that wasn't that long ago.
0: Or check, or even back further, checking your voicemail. If it wasn't even voicemail, what was it? Your answering machine.
1: <laughs> pager. Your pager. Yeah. Oh, we had my no goodness. no cell phones when I started. No internet, nothing.
0: You know you've been in a business for a long time, if you can remember back to the day that you were doing, yeah. deal, do, dealing with a pager. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, <laughs> and, I mean, cell phones were, like, really infant. They were a bag of phone that you carried around and plugged into your car. Yeah. Right? And it was heavy. And very few cell towers. You had to find oh, yeah. those cells. And on,
0: they were know? so expensive. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But now, now everything's done off my little smartphone. Right? Now yes, and your
0: little smartphone that has been binging all interview.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think you're a busy man. I think I need to like let you let you go, but I do want to know from someone who was really, I mean, at a low point at 29, yeah. and now fast forward 20 odd years, yeah. you're you're now in a good place. Yeah, what would you? say to that person that you were at 29? What would you, yeah, what would you say? What advice would you give you at your lowest point knowing where you are now?
1: Uh, keep going, you're close.
0: Did you ever feel close yeah. when you were there? I like d- I knew what?
1: I was always on the cusp of something, but I just had to keep going. Yeah. And not let, you know, things bog you down. So, I mean, if the theme of this podcast is you know, how do you find your future? Just keep looking and never give up and feel confident that you can make it. It's beautiful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Ian. I'm looking forward to sharing some of your pics of you with the polar bear yeah. and, um, and the cats.
1: Yeah, I'll, and I'll send you And
0: some, yeah. Grace probably doesn't. I, we did ask Grace. Well, I did ask you if Grace would like to come and chat. And you were like, mm-hmm. no, she's, like, yeah. she's, she's an animal person. Yeah. Not, not so much people person. Yeah. <laughs> a special breed. Yeah. that we're, That is a good thing. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Ian.
1: My pleasure.
0: Follow Beautiful Hollywood on Instagram at Beautiful Hollywood and you can check out cool pictures of Ian and some of his animals. And check out more great stories online at BeautifulHollywood.com. I'm Melanie Camp. Thank you. Beautiful.
1: Beautiful Hollywood.
0: Beautiful.